It's time for the last of our previews and we have to head out west for it. But before we do that, we got some exciting action in the east. You won't want to miss this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we're back again. Episode number 168 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick Keyswell. There's no third person this week. But we are back. I'm back from vacation. We're both back, and it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be fun. One more preview. The I guess, uh, see, I don't know if inaugural is the right, right word, but I guess the inaugural Pioneer League preview as well. It is. It actually, Yeah, it is. I suppose it would be. It's their second independent year. First year we're actually looking to cover them. It's also just, like, really fun when I look at my Twitter feed and, I'm used to like right around 10, 10.30, it starts to slow down. And I don't have to, you know, load more tweets five times in a row. And now I'm just getting a slew of uh, Pioneer League stuff on top of that. So it's going to be interesting trying to stay on top of about 40, 45 teams. But it's going to be fun to do it. They got some uh, interesting names over there in the Pioneer League. And so it's going to be fun to cover that. And obviously we've had some exciting action in the other three leagues to this point as well. Very exciting. Very exciting. I think... Uh... You know, of course, um, the the Atlantic League, uh, the Atlantic League, American Association, Frontier League, it, it's all going on now, and uh, some interesting, some definitely some interesting storylines in all of them. Absolutely, and I suppose the best place to start is the Atlantic League. We've talked, well, you talked about them the most so far because they've been playing the longest. We're about a quarter of the way through the season, halfway through the first half, which is kind of hard to believe that we're that far along already. It's only the end of May, but. When you realize the first half ends on the 4th of July, you know, it's it creeps up on you quick. And I mean, as I tweeted out a couple days ago, it gets late early in the Atlantic League. And we're seeing that in a couple divisions here as those races are starting to uh, tighten up. Well, it sure is starting to get late. It's almost in that half system and it's it's yeah. late as two as pretty much two seasons mm-hmm. uh, that with with similar implications. But I mean, when you look at when you look at the Atlantic League at the moment, Southern Maryland's still starting to come back down to earth. Luckily for them, I mean, yeah. they play in the North Division, so it doesn't really matter uh, <laughs> that, that that they're starting to slide a little bit. I mean, the Ducks. It looked like the Ducks were showing some signs of life, taking two of three from Southern Maryland, and then to end up going down to Gastonia in the opening game of that series. But I think the big storyline, really, it's got to be the High Point Rockers. I mean, the Rockers. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're a team that we know we knew were certainly talented coming in. Uh, they got off to a, a pretty solid start, but now have absolutely caught fire. I mean, we've talked a lot about Southern Maryland, Southern Maryland, Southern Maryland, and rightfully so. High Point's only a half game back of them for, uh, for the best record in the Atlantic League, and they've won seven straight. Uh, and this is this is a legitimate uh, title contending team. Uh, and and although. They will still have to hold off, off Gastonia, who's still playing well at 21 and 10. But I mean, from a Gastonia perspective, it's still it's hard to hold off a team like High Point when they simply just won't lose right now. But that that's how impressive High Point has been of late. Oh, absolutely. And also adding to Gastonia's problems is they're starting to get raided a little bit. McGuire got picked up the other day. He wound up getting placed in AAA and over the Reds organization. So that's a major piece there. They've lost a couple other guys to getting picked up by affiliated ball. And as far as High Point is concerned, yeah, they've lost a couple of guys, Justin Nicolino being the most uh, notable, but they're still just churning and going. Uh, you know, seven wins in a row is no small feat. 
And it's really a two-horse race in the South now. I mean, everybody else is sub-500. And at this point, I think eight and a half or more games back is just going to be too much to uh, to make up here. But yes, high point is uh, they're, they're really coming alive and they're picking the right time to do it. It's a matter of Gastonia, I think, is going to struggle on the road a bit. It seems like their home road run split is going to be a, a thing to watch. I know, I believe it was Ryan posted on his Twitter a couple days ago, he showed the disparity. And when they're at home, they score easily, and that's because of their ballpark. But when they're on the road, it's a bit more of a struggle. It's a bit more touch and go. I mean, even last night when they play against Long Island, I believe that was a home game for them, they, uh, they only won because they got a grand slam in the eighth inning. Uh, outside of that, they would have lost that game three to one. They they got lucky on that one. So they, I think, as a team, I don't want to say they're running out of gas, but I think you're seeing those uh, those teams picking up their players as a serious effect right now on Gastonia. As far as high points concerned, though, like you said, they're they're hitting their stride and they're going to be a very tough team to hold off. They're a team that we both said in the preview was going to be one of, if not the contender in the South. And they're certainly, uh, as of the last few weeks, really stepped up and proved that. Yeah, I think, and high point, honestly, has been the, they've been the best offense in the league mm. uh, so far by a pretty wide margin. Um, and I think in Gastonia, not too far behind, but you're right, those home road splits are certainly, uh, are certainly cause for concern. But uh, I, I think that, both teams have certainly have certainly played well, uh, and I and although I mean High Point really, I mean they're getting on base at a 365 clip as a as a team, and that's gonna that's really tough. Uh, that's that's uh, of course Ben Aklinski is continuing to continuing to hit just the way he did last year. He's hitting 337 with seven home runs. I mean he's a guy that uh, that really came out of nowhere, didn't do a ton in the Philly system, and. Played for Lexington last year and had a great year. Moved to High Point and, con- and is continuing that when the rest of the league's uh, the league's offense is starting to dip a little bit. So um, uh, High Point is really showing to be a, a legit championship contender. And I don't think it's too much of a surprise. I think we yeah. thought that that's kind of just the rosters they're putting out. And even though they're losing guys, uh, the Rockers have always showed really since their existence, since their inaugural season in 2019. That they have, uh, that they are very good at replenishing that talent. That's something that Jamie Keith does a really good job of. They lose guys. They know they're going to lose guys throughout the season, and they're able to do a great job replenishing the talent. They build teams with depth, and they're and they try to um, and and they try to keep the machine running as long as possible. And that and it looks like at least right now that that's what they're doing. Uh, and however, the South Division is far from over because Gastonia. Even though you could say that the, the the steam might be starting to run off for Gastonia, and I, I think that's true to an extent, still only a game and a half. Okay. Uh, so so still plenty of time left for them to try and capture this this South Division first half crown. And you never know a team like Lexington, who is struggling a lot right now, could easily catch up. Um, uh, could could easily catch up in the second half. Uh, so, uh, so Gastonia, it's, it's, it's important for them to go all out to try and win this first half. But, you know, right now, it, it definitely looks like high points the team to beat. Oh, yeah. And then when you look at the pitching, too, it's, it's kind of surprising to see Gastonia as the second best pitching team in the league again after last year. And I know, a uh, much different, a lot of overhaul over there, but they're, they're in second at a 345 team ERA. 
that first place team would be high point at 275. I mean, that's your real, uh, when you couple it with the offense. I mean, they, it's easy to see why they're that good, but I mean, when you're only allowing less than three runs a game, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be very difficult to beat that. Also, I mean, they lead the league in complete games too. It's a very, it's a very well ran team. So it'll be interesting to see how that South shakes out. Charleston's a team that's not been doing great on and off the field too. On the field, they've kind of been turning their, turning in a circle, I guess would be the best way of putting a 14 and 17 record, which would surprisingly not be that far off from being second place in the, uh, in the North. They wouldn't be there, but they would only be about a game back of that. Off the field, meanwhile, they got accused of stealing a logo, which, you know, I feel like we should talk about briefly. Uh, supposedly they stole it from a local artist. Uh, looking at the design, there is a lot of similarities. They issued an apology, acknowledging the similarities and apologizing for, uh, for that. And they kind of revoked the promotion they were going to do. It was some sort of pepperoni roll logo. In the show notes, we, we have the, uh, the tweets linked. We don't have the first tweet that promoted, obviously, this logo for, uh, for Charleston, because that was deleted once they, you know, said, oh, sorry, it's a little too similar. Uh, but we do have the original design there. So you could take a look at those things and read the apology. But it is pretty clear that somebody did not do their full uh, full due diligence. Because, I mean, though it was extremely similar. Yeah, I don't, it's hard to know the intentions of anybody. Uh, I, I would like to think that it's more just a... Uh, a case of, of the Dirty Birds just not doing their homework and not doing their background and uh, maybe just seeing something that they saw on the internet and like, hey, that's uh, that's that, that looks pretty cool. We can do something similar like that. Like, well, nope, that's not really how that works. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's certainly a bad situation. At least Charleston didn't just ignore and run with it. Uh, so, at least they're, they're, they're changing something like that. Uh, and so... It, it's a bad look, though, for sure. Um, and I, I, I would like to think it's just a case of somebody not doing their homework uh, and not doing the, the necessary background checks. Uh, but I, I think that, it, of course, copyright infringement or, or plagiarism, I mean, the, the, the two designs are very, very similar, yeah. for sure. So um, I think it would be... Uh, I think it, it's pretty clear that something was something was done wrong here, but at least the Dirty Birds removed everything, uh, and then and then hopefully people can move on. But certainly not not a good look at all for Charleston. Yeah, I, I sure it was something to that extent uh, where it just was someone not doing their their full due diligence, and that's how it goes. But I mean, it's still never a good look. When it's a nearly one for one replica of somebody else's design, especially a local artist's design, it's never a good look. And like you said, at least they, uh, at least they apologized for it and they tried to make it right there. So uh, at least moving forward, hopefully they'll take that as a learning experience to always be thorough and never, uh, never just assume things, you know. So with that, uh, right. That said, just going to quickly, because we do have a lot to cover today, uh, just quickly look over in the North Division, and I just want to kind of, I think we can kind of officially roll out York and uh, Staten Island. I think they're pretty much dead in the water. They're not coming back in the first half. They got to start focusing on the second half. But the top three teams, like, you want to say Southern Maryland has this wrapped up, and I mean, a 23-8 and eight record, best in the league by a half game, you would kind of assume they do, even though they, like we said in the intro, uh, kind of 
come back down to earth. Lancaster's also kind of getting hot lately. Three in a row they've won. They've looked pretty good doing it. They're eight back. Obviously, I think it's going to be a little bit too much here. And same thing with Long Island at eight and a half back. But it is a bit of an interesting uh, position to be in for them. Well, it's good to see that that that, Lanc- that Lancaster is starting to is starting to play better of late. Uh, they they certainly look like an, an improved team uh, from a year ago. So that's so that that's a good thing uh, on their end. Uh, I mean, hey, a team ERA of four ninety three. Yeah. Not bad. That's pretty that's solid. Fine. I mean, like it's 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 right about middle of the league. You know, it's not great, but it's not terrible either. It's better than like some of these other teams that aren't doing exactly. Yeah, they're not living their best lives. So no, you know, no, I'd I'd certainly say that there's room for improvement, but it's also you can win with that. It's not going to hold you back too much. Right. So I, the, their their pitching staff certainly looks improved a lot from a year ago, uh, which is which is absolutely a plus. Their offense. Is about as as above average as well. You know, they're playing some pretty good baseball right now. Unfortunately, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think this North Division is definitely wrapped up at this point. I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that the Blue Crabs are going to win the first half North Division title. Uh, that being said, it's not that 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 the Barnstormers are playing for nothing right now because they're playing to get momentum for the second half, yeah. as well as as well as playing for a potential wild card scenario as well. So I, I think that them they're playing really good baseball right now, and they deserve a, a lot of credit for that. Um, and you know, as you said, the uh, winners of three in a row, but they're, they're playing really good baseball. Um, they're a team, and of course, you know. Uh, it, it just happens to be, of course, like guys, guys like Kelly Dugan and and whatnot is leading the way, and I think that the the Barnstormers, they they are they are one of the most improved teams I think we've seen in this league, and uh, and they're 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 playing good, but I think North Division title, I think you could pretty much rule that out, but uh, but it's good to see them playing well. Yeah, I go, I agree with that. At this point, I think they'd have to really strike luck with Southern Maryland getting really bad for a long stretch here and them getting really good for a long stretch here. I would say I wouldn't rule them out necessarily for the second half. I think the second half is going to be a lot more interesting. Southern Maryland will obviously be there, uh, but I think Lancaster is going to be there. And I got to imagine Ling Island does not stay at this uh, hovering at 500 level. They, they have to do something. I think, like you said, it's, it's the Blue Crabs division to win for the first half, but the second half, when everything resets to zero, you know, everything's equal at that point. So I could very well see them making some moves and getting up there. But I think the second half in the in the north is really where we're going to get uh, an interesting, I don't want to say fight, but I think it's going to get a lot more interesting for that half. The south is what the south is. It's going to be competitive among a lot of a lot of different teams. There's a lot of possibilities there. But in the north, it, it does seem to have a lot of potential. And also, I mean... I'm not sure because Stan Island is not a great team right now. I mean, six and twenty-three is never a good record to have, but they've lost a lot of close games. I mean, I think their record's like one and six in in one-run games, which at a certain point, I mean, it's rough. You got to win some of them. You got to get better luck at that point. I I acknowledge that, and I get that that's true as far as the losing close games, but. At the same time, a lot of that losing close games thing for Staten Island 
has been, I think, a lot of result of them playing of them not scoring on offense, right? Yeah. And uh, and you're that while they are close games, hey, those games are they're two to one, they're three to two, uh, they're four to two. It's just, I mean, the offense has been so bad for Staten Island. I mean, and to to put things in perspective, their team OPS is six eighteen. Long Island is that, of course, that is last in the league. Long yeah. Island's second to last at 720. Nearly, so 102 points better is the, uh, second to last Long Island Ducks in that, in that category, uh, from the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. The pitching has been good. It really has. The pitching's been fine. It's not been, that, that really hasn't been the issue. And, uh, you know, you could say the whole luck factor. I think it's more just a result of the offense just gives you such a small margin for error. And it's been so horrific. That I I don't want to say that maybe they they probably should be a little bit better than six and twenty three at the moment. At the same time, though, the the close games I think have a, a lot to do with the fact that this team just doesn't score. Yeah, I mean that that's uh, certainly a large part of it. I mean the ER, the ERA too. I mean a four uh, eighty five isn't great, and I was uh, mistaken. The record in one run games is one and eleven. So I mean like that's that, impressive. Yeah, like. That that's just like bad luck at a certain point, and you are right. Well, I mean, a lot of it is self-inflicted because their offense is anemic. Uh, but yeah, also, I mean, like at a certain point, you just got to get some better luck. I mean, if they even win five of those games, obviously they're still not in great shape. I mean, you're only at eleven wins there, but at eleven wins, you're also tied with York here. Actually, I think you'd be ahead of York, uh, because of winning percentage, but. It'd be a lot more interesting. So I, I just have this feeling that they're going to do better. I don't think they're going to win the second half. Let me be clear on that. But I do think they'll be a better team. I think they'll be more like uh, what we see Long Island is right now, a team that's hovering around 500, but probably going to close out their half, you know, a couple games under, three, four, five games under. I wouldn't be shocked to see that because their pitching is that good. And they really just need one or two bats to kind of start hitting. And it's just hard for me to believe you're going to go, over 120 games just not hitting well at all. Like, you got, at a certain point, someone's got to step up and hit well, right? Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, I don't know how much that changes the overall look uh, of the of the team just because it has been that bad for Staten Island. And uh, so, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. But at, at the same time, I think that... Uh, I, I just I don't know the the offense has been just that brutal and uh, obviously first half's out the window for them but yeah. maybe in the second half if they can make some if they totally change around this offense I you know Kevin Krause would certainly help uh, but uh, he's not part of the picture anymore so it's certainly been a rough start to the year for Staten Island. Yeah, definitely. But one thing is for certain, they have not been having as rough of a start as the Empire State Grays, who are still through 13 games winless in the Frontier League. Uh, just when it rains, it pours, I guess, for them. And we're really reaching territory because like it's, like we uh, mentioned a couple weeks back in our Frontier preview, they play 96 games over there. We're closing in on the, are they going to be in single digits in the wing column territory here? Because 13 games out of 93 games, at this rate, it's not looking like they're going to wind up with more than like 8, 9 wins. i got to be honest, this just doesn't look like a good team. And it's one that we 
all kind of expected to go that way. Well, yeah, we expected it to go. We definitely expected it to go that way. But at the same time, like, wow. Yeah. It's rough. I mean, I mean yeah. it, it has been really, really rough uh, for the for the Empire State Grays at, at, at 0-13. Um, I, I think that the traveling team is expected to struggle for sure. Uh, and so it's not, to, I don't know. I have to think that they'll get to double digits to answer your question. Yeah. There's just no way you don't. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't know I about think, that. I don't there's know. There's no way. They're hitting under 200 as a team. There's no way though. They're hitting under 200, dude. Through 13 I games. I mean, how I they mean, ha- their ER. <laughs> Their ERA as a team is a ten seventy three. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, that that isn't good. That's not really signaling much. I don't know. You just gotta get lucky and win ten games. They're over three and a half runs worse than the next worst team in the league. I'm not. I'm not disputing that they're bad. I'm simply saying they can maybe win ten games. I mean, I, I honestly think this is a, a a debatable point right now because they really they're not doing anything. They're not hitting. They're not scoring. They're not pitching well. I mean, I will well, they're, say they're a bad team. Yeah, they really are. I mean, what's fun though is you look at the top team in the Frontier League pitching wise. It's Evansville. They have a two eighteen ERA, which just to be honest is fantastic. I I'm kind of shocked through twelve games they have a two eighteen, which I know it's I know it's early. I understand that's so like what, an eighth of the way through the season, if that. So I get it, but even still, an ERA at about two is phenomenal. But Empire State thing just has like an extra eight runs per game tacked on, eight and a half runs per game hack tacked on there. I mean, it's just, there's so much worse than everybody else. And I, I don't mean to harp on it all too much because I understand it's, it's like picking on them a bit, but when you as a team cannot hit over 200 and you cannot stop on average a fewer than 10 runs from coming on the board, I really have some serious doubts. I don't doubt that they're going to get wins. I think they'll get like five of them, and I think they'll luck into another four. But I think getting 10 and eighth of the way through the year is uh, is a bit of a tall task to ask when you look at the rest of the league, and the rest of the league is not like, do you have some teams that aren't good, but they're not that bad? I know, I know. It's... I don't know. There's just not much else to say. I mean, they, yeah. they're they're just. I'm. You're right. The, their losses. They have. They they've only been close twice, and they have they have three. Two, they have on two separate occasions. They have three to two losses. They have, they lost eight to six Friday night against Lake Erie. I mean, their other losses: 12 to one. Oi. Six zero nine one nineteen to six eight two fourteen three ten three. Yeah, it's just like they're gonna get they're gonna get. Sli- and I mean, when you look at the rest of it, you know they have Lake Erie for another two. They have them tonight and tomorrow, um, so they have a chance at that. Then they go to Quebec. I don't see them beating Quebec, who admittedly cannot hit either. They're only hitting two thirty as a team, but they can pitch well. They're the second best pitching team in the league, so. I gotta imagine that that's going to go their way. I mean, if you're playing a team that gives up 10 runs a game, 
if that doesn't wake your bats up, I really don't know what's going to. After that, like maybe New York, but even then it's kind of touch and go. What's kind of weird is they play Quebec for three, then they go to Rockland and then they come back to Quebec. So, I mean, that that is what it is. Then you have Ottawa that's been surprisingly good. Sussex County, that they've been so-so. They had a bad road trip. And then you start getting into maybe something. Uh, Three Rivers is there, which I, I still believe in. I think they're a pretty good team. Then New Jersey's probably your next best bet at the end of June. And, I mean, if you don't do that, like, obviously they're going to get a win, I have to imagine, for the end of June. But, I mean, man, it's not looking great. And at the end of June, going into July, they play Tri-City a grand total of six times. If Kamar Rocker's still there, they're almost certainly going to wind up having to go against Kamar Rocker at least one day. So if you're looking like, okay, June, maybe they get two, maybe three wins, that means they essentially have two months to find seven wins when it took them two months to find three wins. So uh, I got some serious doubts about it at this point. Like, Maybe as the season goes on, there's opportunities here, but it just, it looks like it's going to be a very tall task to ask for them to get, uh, to get to 10 wins. And I can't believe I'm saying that at this point. And maybe, maybe I'll be horribly wrong and they'll go off and they'll win like seven in a row or something. But I just have a hard time believing it with what we've seen so far out of this team. What if, here, let, let's manifest this for a second. Yeah. What if they pull a Houston Apollos? Let's say they've won four games uh, through the entire season going into the last weekend of the season against Tri-City. Okay. The uh, the Sussex County Miners and Tri-City Valley Cats are battling for the last playoff spot. All right. And then the Frontier Grays sweep Tri-City and oh, knock God. them out of the playoffs. Oh, God, they'd get Lincoln. Oh. they get Lincoln. They would. <laughs> Uh, that, that's that's a new verb we got to use. Getting Lincoln. I know you dropped the two most important games of your season to the two, to the worst team in the league. Yeah, they, until they manage to go out and like I don't know, if they make the final this year, we could drop getting Lincoln. But until then, Lincoln is part of the verbiage. Now I yeah. do agree hundred percent. They got to win something first before that gets knocked out. But yeah, if that happens though, if the Grays wind up ending Tri City season, oh man. That, that would be a tough one to swallow if you're Tri-City. It really would be. And if you're a Miners fan, if this if this is still something that's living in your head, I don't think it gets much better than that scenario, to be honest. Because it's like, how do you lose no. to them? But at the same no, time, no, too, there is also some pressure, though, I think, on the rest of the Frontier League because they don't want to be the team that loses to the winless team nearly a quarter of the way through the season, you know? Like, you lose to them, it's like, oh, that's not good. No, I think there's definitely pressure there uh, for for any team that plays against them. Just uh, You're supposed to get those three wins, and you got you got to get them. Uh, but, you know, it's yeah, it's been really bad for, for, for the Grays, and I guess we'll see. I'd have to think they, they pick up this win in, in the next week or two weeks, but I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Which, you know, the only way this can happen now, because it's baseball, their first one's going to be like a two-hit shutout or something. Yeah, that would be, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be just peak baseball, though? The worst team in the Definitely. league by a mile throws like a no-hitter or a two-hit shutout or something. Definitely would be. And it would be against like Quebec 
who is oh, yeah. by far, well, I don't, don't want to say by far, it's still early, we're only 13 games into the year, but they are one of the better teams in this league, they won five in a row, they beat up on Gateway, a team that we were both extremely high on, and quite frankly, is still a very good team, they've looked good, Schaumburg's also looked good as of recent, Tri-City just had a very nice little, I'm not Tri-City, uh, Windy City, my mistake, has had a nice little uh, time playing both Sussex County and New York so far. They're looking pretty solid. Honestly, it it's like when we were talking about the uh, the Atlantic League about a month or so back. It's hard to talk about the Frontier League right now unless you have extremes because, well, it's still very early on. But overall, though, there are some teams that are starting to separate. Uh, definitely. I think it's probably too early to draw any major conclusions other than Empire State is bad. Yeah. Uh, but certainly some teams have been impressive early on. And Quebec, really, for me, tops that list. And as well as Ottawa, too. Ottawa, I think, is a team we were both pretty high on coming into the year. It's a possible team that that could get into the playoffs as well. Absolutely. And they've, and they've been pretty good. Uh, and then, you know, as far as Tri-City, you're going to have Kumar Rocker debut next week. So... Uh, that should be exciting as well for them. Absolutely, certainly will be. And over in the American Association now, uh, we have uh, a little bit more of a surprise. I think the West has been fairly as expected. Sioux City is a team that we were so-so on, I believe, and they're at the bottom of the standings. Same thing with Sioux Falls. Winnipeg was a 50-50 toss-up team. They're doing about 500. Kansas City's doing their start-slow routine, which, like I've been saying on Twitter, reminds me an awful lot of last year where they started off slow in May, and then around mid-June, they really started finding their stride, and then by the end of July, we were like, oh, yes, this team is going to be the one that wins everything. And uh, so they're doing their thing. Lincoln's been pretty solid, a team that I believe we were high on, and Fargo-Moorhead has ran off seven in a row to be eight and two in their last ten. Lincoln, same record. So the West is pretty pretty much where you'd expect it to be. It's fairly close, but there's some teams separating. The North is where it's, I think, a little bit more interesting to me. Or the East, rather. It's East and West now, so the West is uh, what's pretty close. But it the takes, East... It takes some getting used to, doesn't it? It does, because I'm so used to it, because we talked about it for, for all the last year, pretty much, and now it's... And everyone uses East and West, or North and South, so sometimes it's just out of pure habit that you go with one or the other. But uh, anyway, in the East, Lake Country and King County have been very, very surprising teams so far. Yeah, Lake Country has been the big surprise. Uh, a team in, in their inaugural season who has just been, uh, who has just been unbelievable, uh, really, for... for Yeah, 7-3. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I mean, Lamar Briggs really tops that list. He's He's been very good. He's hitting 310, three home runs already. I mean, T... I mean, you have T.J. Bennett as well with five home runs already. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who's hitting for some big, big power uh, in that late in that late country lineup. I mean, overall as a team, it's hitting 274 as a team. They're hitting, they've had 19 home runs in 13 games. That'll certainly play. Uh, the pitching is has definitely struggled, so I think that's going to be the thing to watch out for. Do they start to come back down to earth uh, as a result of as a result of this pitching? Um, so the, the pitching has struggled, but I mean, and the bats really have started, they have really swung the bats, uh, extremely well. Um, and 
you know, you know, TJ Bennett and Lamar Briggs both in particular have been extremely good hit, hitting for power as well. I mean, this whole team is hit for power, yeah. to, to be honest with you. And, and I think that that's been the really impressive point. And I don't know how long this will continue. Uh, just because the, the pitching does concern me a little bit for them. However, uh, they're off to a great start, and you, you love to see that from a team in their inaugural season trying to instill a fan base, and that, it looks like they have so far. Oh, absolutely. They definitely are doing a very, very good job in that. And I do want to take a look over at uh, King County because they've been doing very good as well. I mean, you have guys like Kerrigan that have been playing pretty okay but busby's doing well bj lopez is hitting nearly 400 through 11 games la Bondozzi came in from long island and he seems to be doing extremely well he seems to be at home there they're not as much of a power team yeah i mean cornelius randolph who was the guy i really liked and he's coming and he said 314 had a couple home runs already i they're not as much of a power team like i was saying but overall they they get on base they score runs they're an interesting team there and pitching wise they're they got some very, very, very interesting guys. Logan Nissen is a guy that came over there, a guy we previewed, only he was, you know, playing for Fargo at that point. He's had a 28, a 220, a 128, my mistake, I can't read today, a 128 ERA through seven innings, mostly in relief, all in relief. The relief pitching's where it is. Taggart, Carter, all guys, sub two ERAs. Fuentes has looked good in his appearances at a 240 ERA. Ryan Richardson's another guy that's doing well. At that point, then you start to get a little bit more touch and go because you're dealing with starters. But bullpen-wise, they've been a very, very effective team there. And if they could get a guy like Vince Worley going, who was, or Vance Worley, rather, uh, if he can start returning to, like, the major league form we've seen, then this team could really up it up a notch. And I really do think Kane County is one of the bigger surprises, especially because we didn't expect too much of them coming into the season. Well, not at all, and I think that uh, specifically on the offensive side, like you mentioned, uh, I mean, B, I mean, BJ Lopez has been that he's been that dude at the top of the at the at the top of the order, uh, and really on the pitching end of things, again, they struggled, but overall, I think that I think there's room for improvement. Like for example, Vance Worley, as you mentioned, Nick is not going to have a 6.30 ERA by the end of the season. Yeah, so. Uh, that is one of the guys that you know will will, will definitely uh, turn around turn it around as well. Uh, but I mean, this offense has been really really good. I mean, Steve Lombardozzi is as you would expect from a guy like him who did so well in the Atlantic League last season, hitting three thirty three. I mean, and BJ Lopez will come back down to earth at some point. Uh, but I mean, overall, this lineup has been really good uh, to start the season. Just been a really impressive group, and you're right. They've again. It's it, you got to mention it. We got to mention it's early. It's really early. So uh, we'll have to see um, what sustains over over the long haul as well. Uh, but I, I think that really we've seen uh, a really impressive start from Lake Country and Kane County. Hey, they play this weekend so, as well. So yeah, uh, or or I think. Yeah, they, yeah, they do play. So, um, yeah, so that'll be interesting as well. And uh, they're they're both teams that uh, that have gotten off to a great start to this point. Absolutely, there. And obviously, there's other things in the East. Milwaukee and Chicago are keeping it close. Gary surprisingly is not in last because the Cleburne Railroaders are. 
And I wasn't expecting that. An eight-game losing streak that finally came to an end last night. Three and ten on the year. Uh, they've done some roster rearranging. Edwin Arroyo comes in, a guy I really like. Kevin McCarthy, a former major league pitcher, comes in. Uh, but overall, this team has just not been great here. And they're really the last team I think we have to talk about before we get into our pioneer preview. But uh, this is a team that, as a team, isn't really hitting well outside of maybe three, four guys. If you really want to be generous and pitching has not been too much better either. I mean, uh, as a team, a five ERA is not exactly what you love to see. Well, the offense has been the big problem yeah. so far. And it's, and it's a lot of guys that you would, you would honestly expect more from. Yeah. And that being Hector Sanchez and Zach Barrier. Uh, those are both guys who, who have been good indie ball players for a while and you would expect them to be uh, really a lot better than they have been so far, but I mean, they're hitting 238 as a team, not hitting for much power. Uh, it's they're striking out a lot. Uh, it, it's definitely a, a team that um, a, a team that is disappointed. I think we. It's not like any of us were were that high yeah. on uh, on on Cleburne to this point. However, uh, they're a team that that they're a team certainly that has struggled, and I think. You would think that the offense starts to get it going a little bit. I don't think they'll be this bad, uh, but the, they've certainly struggled to start the season, and a lot of it has to do uh, with that offense. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I mean, it's a 238, and there's no power attached to it is really where your issue is. And like I said, I, I still look at the pitching could be better, particularly the starting pitching. Some guys in the bullpen, Cervanka and Holyfield, have been Phenomenal. Can't ask for much more than that. Kraza, you can't ask more than that from him. Evans has been a solid starter, I will admit. Three starts, although he looks like he's only averaging about four innings a start, which, and he's walked a guy in inning. Uh, that's not exactly what you love to see there. I'm sure if we expanded that out, like the whip wouldn't be exactly where you want it to be, but it is what it is. Has been fine. Fairchild's been fine. Sims has been a solid starting pitcher, but then you see kind of a gradual drop off after you get to Garden Wire. Hilton has not been where he needs to be. Garrett Alexander does not has not been where he needs to be. Bullard has just not been very good. Perez has not been very good. He's got nine innings. He's got an ERA of twelve. It's not not good enough. McCarthy had a rough first start, and then Bell has not been particularly good either. So there's a have and have not, and you can only run those halves for so long. At a certain point, everyone needs to contribute. But as a whole, Cleburne is not exactly where they need to be at the moment. Definitely not, and they're they're going to need to to turn it around quick, especially with. I mean, they're already trailing teams like Lake Country and King County, uh, or in this division, and uh, and it's it's interesting because those are teams that we didn't think, but uh, but Milwaukee is. You'd still think Milwaukee's going to be near the top as well. So Cleveland's running out of time. They got to turn it around quick. I know it's early, but it gets it gets late quick. Exactly. I mean. You have Milwaukee, that's only a game back of those teams that we mentioned, as well as Chicago, too. So there's really a four-way fight at the top here. And obviously, as we know, the top four teams do make the postseason, which is why it's a bit concerning at this point. But we are only 13 into a 100-game slate. But I will say, I think by uh, mid-June is when we're really going to find that out, because there is a six-game stretch that they have at home against Milwaukee that's uh, going to be very important for them. They have Chicago currently. They've managed to, so far, drop three to Chicago, picked up one. They play again tonight and tomorrow. So hopefully they can do something with that. They go up to uh, Shaw Park, and then they hit up Sioux Falls after that. So they have six games there that are winnable games. 
if you could take one of the three from Winnipeg, I'd say that's okay. If you take two of the three from Sioux Falls, you finish that road trip 500. You come back to uh, your home ballpark, you need to be at least 500 against Milwaukee, preferably better, because then it only gets more difficult from there. So we'll see what happens with Cleburne. We'll see what happens in the American Association. Next week, we get to talk solely about baseball. But this week, we do still have the Pioneer League preview that we do need to address. Absolutely. And so we'll get started with that. I will say one thing going in. I do like the Pioneer League. I think they've done an awful lot on the tech sphere. They've brought in a lot of very interesting names. We're going to talk about those names. We've talked about them in the past, too. Of course, we'll link uh, kind of the... Uh, the bigger announcements from them. So if you want more in-depth discussions, we'll link the our discussions about them in the show notes, as we always do. Uh, but that said, there still is a bit of an issue trying to find information. The playoff format, not easily available. Uh, past performance, as in the 2021 year, not exactly easily to find either. So some of this is going to be a bit more touch and go. I want that put out there. Uh, early on because it's not going to be as in-depth as some of our other previews partially for that reason also partially a lot of these guys are younger guys they're guys in their early to mid 20s that never really played above college ball or high a ball so we don't really know too much about them and so naturally we can't go through every single roster and look through every single guy to see what's their deal so we kind of more or less just pulled out some interesting names, guys that we could see performing well, or guys that just have an interesting backstory to them to preview it. We're still going to give you who we think is going to win the championship, of course, but at the end of the day, there also is a realistic expectation that some of the information either wasn't available or it's just not really feasible to get. It's, it's obviously the Frontier League, or excuse me, not Frontier League, Pioneer League serves a different purpose. You know, yeah. they're, they're a lot more of a development league. Uh, they're they're taking a lot of guys that were uh, that were a little bit unknown or maybe right out of or with little to no professional experience. So a lot of it is especially with without an established track record, it's hard uh, it, and it's hard for these coaches specifically as well to try to add talent. Um, and uh, that's that's what makes it, being a coach in one of these leagues a, a really hard job. And so. Uh, certainly some names that, I mean, you know, scrolling through a lot of these rosters, uh, there's some names that, that, uh, that, that pop out as former, uh, Frontier League, former Atlantic League, even, uh, some All-American Baseball Challenge guys. Oh, yeah, that, there's and, a lot of them. Oh, yeah, I remember those days, but, um, you know, some guys and some just, who have just great names. Oh, so, absolutely. Uh, so I think that, uh, we could give a nice general overview, more, probably more along the lines of, instead of, like, this team's pitching is good. This team's uh, like lineup is good. Probably more along the lines of these are the players to watch out for uh, in this in this league. So I think it's probably more more along that. Still can give champions and stuff like that, uh, but probably a little bit less of a, a team view as a whole. Probably more individual based. Exactly. And so with that, we'll begin on this preview adventure. The Start of the 2022 season for the Pioneer League was May 23rd. So it was the beginning of this past week. Obviously, if I wasn't away, we would have done this preview last week. But hey, it's circumstances call for it now. Uh, season ends on September the 10th. I believe it's a 94-game schedule. There was never, or at least I never received any sort of press release that outlined all this. So I just kind of 
counted the games on one of the team schedules and it came to about 94. So we're running with that. There'll be playoffs after. I don't quite know what the playoff structure is. I believe last year used the division half system. Although, again, you can't find the 2021 records on the Pioneer League site. At least I wasn't able to. And on baseball reference, it just lists them as a whole. The teams that made the finals, like the Boise Hawks, which we'll talk about in a bit, uh, they were not first place in their division. So that's what leads me to believe that it was a divisional half system for round one, and then round two was a championship format. So I'm going to assume it was a best of three for both of those, because the championship was a best of three. So I'm going to assume that format's still in play, but I don't know that for certain. That's a long way of saying there's going to be a playoff. We don't know how, though. So with that, we continue on. There's two new teams this year. We'll talk about them in one second and no listed all-star game. So that's a quick hit the grounds running uh, important info. Well, Nick, that's a, that's a lot of important info. That didn't include a lot of info, but you know exactly. what? I don't blame you for that. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I don't I don't know how, you know, that trying to expand their, uh, and the Pioneer, League, Pioneer League's done a lot of things right. Uh, yeah. However, making their information accessible is not one of them. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like the rebrand a lot. I like the focus on you know the Pioneer Roundup show. I like a lot of the stuff they've done. The tech focus has been very good. The website redesign is very fluid, but some of the information is just not exactly there, and that is a bit disappointing. And of course, like. I'll admit I probably could have emailed to get this information, but I like to try to avoid doing that. Not because I'm lazy or anything like that. It's because if I was just a regular fan, I'd want to be able to find this information. And if I can't find it going through that way, how is the average fan supposed to find it? So, but yeah, I just wasn't able to find it easily, I should say. And that is one of their issues to this point is, you know, some general overview information would have been nice to have it posted under some heading or a news article you post on the site but hey uh that said let's talk about those two new teams real quick uh northern colorado owls they were well they could have played last year but they didn't have a ballpark they are relocated from orem utah to windsor colorado it's obviously in the northern part of colorado brand new complex when we talked with uh the president of the pioneer league we went into more detail about that that interview will be linked in the show notes as well so you could take a look at that and then the glacier ridge rangers are a brand new franchise they are in montana general kalispell area i believe flathead valley is the technical name of it not far from glacier national park uh brand new franchise expansion franchise no relocation there they are an interesting team i love that name though it is a great i name. love I, I, glacier range riders oh one of my favorite names that that is a that is just bravo Great job. Um, and yeah, I think that with the new teams added and, uh, well, I guess not, well, one new team added. Yeah. The second team is more of a, more returning than <clears throat> a relocation and stuff. But, uh, but you know, overall, I think, uh, having Glacier back into, the, having Glacier into the, into the league, I, I think it's, it's a good thing keeping everything even as far as as far as the divisions and a ten team league, and you know, yeah. it should be fun. 
Exactly. And I like that it's a smaller league too. It made this a lot easier to do. And uh, overall, it, it's kind of nice to have a smaller league. We see a lot of larger leagues now. So going back to a nice little 10-team league is always solid there. So uh, elsewhere, let's look at the other teams and the divisions. We have a North and a South division, like we were saying earlier. Everyone uses North and South or East and West. We have North and South for the Pioneer League. It is Great Falls, Missoula, Glacier, Idaho Falls, and Billings in the North. In the South, uh, we have Boise, Grand Junction, Ogden, Rocky Mountain, and Northern Colorado. So those are the teams that make up the Pioneer League. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, the one thing when I look at the Pioneer League uh, from the at least this season, I, I think that a lot of big names added as well. So I'm mean, really excited to see how Jim Riggleman does as well. And, and Bobby Jenks. Yeah. as a manager as well so uh, that's the one thing i am interested to see is how do these some of these big names start to start to build rosters in a league that's still trying to establish itself on the indie ball circuit certainly and that brings us to our next point uh some news for the offseason and new for 22 as we call it uh we got some big name managers you mentioned uh, bobby jenks and jim riggleman but Corey schneider also another guy that's in there michael schlack is also back six-year extension which is very odd to see in indie ball normally you see their one or two year extension sometimes three or four if they're really uh a long time uh, tenured guy so six years for your, a guy that's only been there for one year now granted he won 66 games at a championship so that's definitely going to help the cause and he seems like a pretty solid guy uh among his players and in the community so i mean you got a guy like that you lock him up long term but still a bit surprising there uh the animals return glaciers added we already went over those we got the first league in independent ball that is sponsored by a well by a sponsor Duh. so now it is the pioneer league presented by ticketing smarter uh that's something we mentioned a while back if i can find the episode i'll link it uh it's an interesting decision to go with that they made a couple other partnerships the presto sports one comes to mind but also like the big kind of centerpiece of their offseason the pioneer league roundup or the pp pbl roundup that's kind of a interesting one to say there which has joe list tom brenneman and Bill Bavese as the three regular hosts of the show, and they're bringing on a slew of guests. That's one thing I gotta say. They have big names involved in the Pioneer League now. Last week, they had uh, Charles Barkley on. This week is supposed to be Pete Rose. So these are big names, brand names, household names that they're finding to get on the show, and it's very interesting to see. Oh, it's really interesting. I think it's it's just trying to uh, attract fans and talking about um for them to for to talk some Pioneer League baseball. I mean, look at the names that they're that they're bringing in and the names, of course, uh, and not to totally rehash the whole uh, PPL Roundup show like discussion that we had, of course, with Tom Brenneman being on there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say they Pioneer League doesn't they know at least for uh, league. In, in a league like that, they're just trying to get any sort of publicity possible. Um, and you know, to their credit, they've done a they've done a good job of that. And I think the the roundup show is going to end up being a good one. The content's going to be really good, and uh, it's just trying to make the Pioneer League more of a more of a brand name in in, in the world of indie ball. Absolutely, and it's definitely something to watch. I know they had some tech issues week one, I believe. 
Jazz Chisenholm was supposed to be on as well. I'm not sure if he managed to get on or not. I only was able to tune in for part of the broadcast uh, before I had to leave it and do some other things. But overall, it does seem very interesting, and I'll be interested to see what they do going forward, especially once they get the tech issues sorted out. So uh, quickly looking over the 2021 season before we get into these team previews. Uh, it was their first year as an independent league. Uh, previously, obviously, they had been a rookie ball level uh, league. Uh, Boise joined from the Northwest League, too. So the Boise Hawks jumped from a different league. They were also cut and entered the uh, Pioneer League. They added the knockout round to break ties after an extra inning. Uh, the knockout round is essentially a home run derby, but as we talked in the interview with uh, Shapiro, I, they don't call it a home run derby. I believe it's a legal thing. But it's essentially the same way where, you know, whoever hits the most home runs wins the game. So that was, uh, that was added. Missoula won 66 games in about a 96 game slate. So that's pretty impressive. And then Missoula went on to defeat Boise in a best of three series to win the championship. Yeah. Missoula was definitely the, the best team by, by far last year. And then in Boise, of course, meeting in the championship series, but, Missoula really from start to finish was the, was the top team in, in this pioneer league. And I mean, hey, when not, not to totally get into that, but they look like one of the better teams this year as well. Uh, but I think that they're, they're certainly, I mean, the record of 66 and 32 speaks for itself. Uh, that by far the, the best, uh, the best team in the frontier league last year. I think they'll be up there once again. Absolutely. And on that note, we'll get started with the preview itself. Uh, we'll kick it off with the North Division. The Billings Mustangs will get us going. Jim Riggleman is in as manager, uh, obviously a longtime Major League bench coach. And uh, they had a record of 44 and 52 last year. Uh, overall, there's a couple guys that I noticed, guys that I believe have some uh, experience in the Frontier League. Logan Doobie is the guy that's obvious for that. Uh, Nick Olich is another guy that's interesting. Brian uh, Perea is another guy that's of, of note. Tristan Peterson. But overall, this is going to be an ongoing trend. There's just hard to really see too many names on here, but it does seem like an interesting team. Yeah, I would think, uh, of course, with Jim Ruggleman running the show, I would think it would be one of the better teams. Uh, I think it would be, it would have to be one of the better, it's probably going to be one of the better teams in the North Division. In particular, I think, uh, I think Logan Doobie, the starting pitcher, I, uh, he's, uh, I think he's one of the better arms, I think, in the league. Uh, he's a guy who was, who he was, uh, a consistent starter in the Frontier League last year. 505 ERA, but, uh, but I think that he could be better moving to the, to the Pioneer League. And uh, something, of course, pitching is so important in the Pioneer League as well, just because the ball flies, yeah. uh, uh, given the elevation. So, um, so always going to be hitter friendly. Um, and uh, but you know, Logan Dubian in particular, I think Tristan Peterson is a guy who uh, uh, he, I think he's going to be really, really good uh, in this league as well. Coming out of Washington State as well, he. Uh, played a little bit for the Wild Things in the Frontier League, and he absolutely raked at 356, an OPS of 956, three home runs. I'm surprised he didn't get another shot. Uh, I am surprised he didn't get a shot back in the Frontier League again this year, but I think uh, he's going to be probably the best hitter in this Billings lineup, and that'll make it that'll make it interesting. But I think those are a couple of guys that I'm I'm really looking forward to on this team. 
Yeah, definitely. There are some, uh, some very interesting guys to have. The Glacier Ridge Riders are arranged riders are up next. Eric Moore is the manager. They, he really wasn't listed anywhere on the website that I could find as a manager, so I had to Google that and found it. Uh, obviously, they don't have a record because they didn't play last year, first year team, and they have some interesting names as well. Brant Broussard is a guy that was supposed to be in Rockland last year. He may have played a few games there. I don't recall. Ryan Cash is another interesting guy, and I'm going to allow uh, you will to go in on this one pitcher here that has some Atlantic League experience, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, he sure does. That being Austin Steinfort, the 6'9 righty. Uh, yep. who, who used to pitch uh, for York. He came from the USBBL. Uh, as far as as far as his numbers themselves uh, in York, they weren't very good. Um, uh, especially at least in 2019, he struggled a little bit. Uh, and then when he came back in 2021, it was he was really, really, like really brutal. Uh, yeah. I mean, he walked 61 guys in 48 and two thirds innings. So that's I, I don't I don't need to really put, throw adjectives on that. Uh, however, I, I think that he's a guy that um, at least with the experience that he does have um, in the uh, in the Atlantic League could could use that to help. I mean, at least his first appearance with Glacier. I uh, came out of the bullpen, so we'll see if that continues for him. Uh, but uh, but a guy with some Atlantic League experience as well. Ryan Cash as well, interesting in the middle infield. A guy who played for Gary last year did struggle a little bit, but uh, doesn't hit for a ton of power. We'll see if that changes in the uh, in the Pioneer League environment. But I think a couple guy a couple guys that are interesting and Austin Seinford, of course, uh, is a name that makes my my ears perk up. Yeah, definitely. I think Glacier has the potential to be. Uh, kind of a surprise team. I don't know if they're going to be a top team in the league, but I do think they have some uh, surprise potential in them. With the name Range Riders, I would hope so. I, I think it's still just such a great name, but I think this is a team that could be solid as well. Absolutely. Hopefully they'll be better than the Great Falls Voyagers were last year. Tommy Thompson, great name, and also his profile pick is fantastic on the website, uh, will be the manager. 39 and 57 last year for Great Falls, and I gotta be honest, I don't see an awful lot here. Great name in Montana quickly, I gotta be honest, and I feel like we mentioned him in a different preview uh, in the past, but they got him there, they got Michael Deeb, and that's about it. Well, I, I think, especially for the Frontier, especially for the Pioneer League, right? Montana, yeah. you got some teams in Montana. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would love to see what happens when he goes and faces Billings, uh, the the Montana the Mon, the the all Montana game, and Glacier uh, I mean, too, Glacier as well. True. So uh, yeah, Montana Quigley though, and I Missoula. I mean, and Missoula was, to cut you off. Missoula's also see, up there. See, I, I'm just not good at my uh, my Montana. My, my what cities are in Montana? <laughs> the geography of the has, state of Montana. Oh, I failed miserably. <laughs> uh, however, I think. You know, uh, Michael Deeb uh, returning. I think uh, he's at least uh, at least interesting. Uh, he's a guy that hit well for them, um, nearly hit 300 for them last year. A guy who bounced around some of those uh, uh, some of the circuit leagues in 2020 as well. Yep. Uh, in the Liber- hit well in the Liberation League as as well. So uh, he's probably one of the one of the best uh, returner returning players that ju- that jumps out uh, but the rest I, I don't know I don't I don't see much here to be quite honest yeah uh, but again you know it's the Pioneer league some guys could, could could jump out that you don't expect 
Uh, but at least looking at this uh, initial roster, not not a ton to see. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, there is a team, though, that has uh, a little bit more to see on it, and that's the Idaho Falls Shuckers, who have a very interesting uh, Twitter account as well. Billy Gardner Jr. will be the manager. 58 and 39 was their record last year. Patrick Chung from the uh, Salem Kaiser League is in here. He's an interesting name. Plus, I believe he has a name that's not too dissimilar from a former uh, New England Patriot safety as well. Uh, Alex mm-hmm. Fishberg, a longtime New York Boulders in. Matt Feinstein's in. Andrew Dunn. Um, Ramsey Romano, who is a pitcher now. I've always thought he was a middle infielder, but he's a pitcher now. And Hunter Hinsky uh, behind the plate, which is also a good name. Yeah, I think this this team could be among one of the better ones, I think, again. Andrew Don specifically, yep. a guy that I got to see with the Jersey Wise guys in the All-American Baseball Challenge, and he's a guy who, who raked last year for, for uh, in the Pioneer League uh, for Idaho Falls. So he returns. He a three thirty one hitter last year. I hit, hit eight home runs as well, drove, drove in 71 runs. So he, he's a big run producer in the middle of that lineup as well. I love the uh, the Patrick Chung uh, reference. He's a guy coming straight out of college. So, you know, hard to really predict, uh, hard to hard to predict oh. a whole lot there. And disrespecting, the the, uh, disrespecting the Maverick League? Uh, well... See, I was just looking at. We're just going uh, off of baseball, baseball reference proved ones. Yeah, I well, don't blame I mean, you. I do the same. Uh, you know, you know what? I, I think that it's come on, Maverick League, get on baseball reference. If the All American Baseball sure. Challenge can do it, you can do it too. Uh, uh, and but I mean, Hunter Hiskey, as much as much, as great of a name as he also has, uh, he raked last year yeah. uh, in, in, in with Idaho Falls a three forty seven batting average, a OPS of nine eighty seven. So. I think behind the plate, a good offensive option as well, left-handed swinging catcher. So uh, I think this is, this is probably Idaho Falls, I would say, is, I don't know. I think they're going to hit for sure, and they're going to be one of the better team, one of the best teams, I think, in the, in, the, in the Pioneer League. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think they're probably one of the more solid teams here. Uh, I will say, I think that they're... It's hard for me to really comment any further because it's it's hard to really get a grasp for this league, especially the first year covering it. So, uh, yeah, I agree with all that. I, the only comment I have to add is, would it be in the Maverick League's best interest to just pick one team identity and join the Pioneer League? Yes, absolutely. Because uh, I feel like it would be. I understand that they're the only team in Oregon and there's a lot of travel, but it just it feels like that's the right call. Yeah, uh, 100% I agree. And we have one final team in the north, and that's the Missoula Paddleheads. Michael Schlacht will be returning as the manager, 66-32 and 32 last year. Solid record there. Uh, there's a couple guys to note. Cody Thompson seems like a pretty solid option. Kevin Watley's pretty all right. Uh, Nick Gatewood's pretty all right. Uh, outside of that, it's a bit more touch and go. Yeah, I, I think specifically on the pitching end, you're seeing with a lot of teams in this league, uh, you just don't really know, but uh, you know, I think Cameron Thompson, at least, uh, he had a great year last year, uh, in, in the Pioneer League with Missoula, big reason why they won the title. So, uh, he's back. Uh, I think that even guys like, uh, like Brandon Riley as well coming back, he, he hit over 300 with, with, uh, Missoula as well. So, uh, I, I think that again, you don't really, the pitching, you kind of just don't really know. Yeah. Uh, but I think that um, 
but I think there's some decent guys returning, and you can't count out a team that went 66-32 and 32 last year for sure. Absolutely, definitely on that front there. With that being said, we're done with the North. We head to the South Division. We have the Boise Hawks. Gary Van Toll will return as manager, 50-47 and 47 last year. They made the championship final, uh, and we don't quite know how. But we do know that Matt Dallas is here, uh, Justin Valdesvin is here, Tyler Tompkins here, and I got to mention uh, Derek Romberg well, as well because, well, I know him personally. So, yeah, outside of that, there's really nothing uh, to really say. I like Matt Dallas as a pitcher, though, and I like Valdesvin as a pitcher, but, uh, yeah. I like Matt Dallas a lot. He's a guy who he's going to, he's going to miss a lot of bats. He's going to strike out a lot of guys and, yeah. uh, you know, getting, being converted into, into a, more of a starter. Uh, even got a cup of tea with Long Island last year. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, he was, he was, I mean, a 435 ERA for a consistent starter in the Pioneer League. Hey, that's not bad given how the ball flies. Uh, striking out 11 for nine. Dallas has good stuff. He's always going to, uh, you know, he's, he's always going to miss bats. That's, that's never a question. For him, he's a guy who get up into the to low to mid nineties as well. So he's certainly one of the better pitchers in the in the Pioneer League, I think. Uh, and you know, we love Derek Romberg also because, uh, f- well, friend of Nick Firestone as well yeah. as uh, as well as a guy who played in the All American Baseball Challenge, uh, or actually, sorry, not in the All American Baseball League. Challenge in Somerset League, the oh, Somerset Professional Baseball Series. Yep. Oh, what a time the 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 pandemic was. Um, <laughs> it's hard to keep these leagues straight because it's like, ah, oh, shit, which team played in which league? And it's like, uh, did that one last? Yeah. No, it didn't. This team, yeah, it. I did the same thing. So, so I, I think that. Uh, see, yeah, I know it's just so many leagues in 2020. It's just. Yeah. What a crazy and weird year, especially with the Somerset Professional Baseball Series that Derek Romberg was there for. So I got to see him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of all I got for Boise. Yeah. Their team, they'll, they'll do something, certainly. Uh, but you know who else will do something? The Grand Junction Rockies, led by Bobby Jenks, 52 and 43 last year. Uh, Tyler Sandoval's a guy I like. Ari Kaufman's a guy that's not bad. Same thing with Chris Vasquez. And, you know, there, there's some players here, certainly. Well, Ari Kaufman, a guy that I uh, got a got a little bit of time in the Atlantic League as well. I've made yeah. a few appearances with the New Britain Bees and in, uh, in in 2019. But another guy is listen. I, I think when you he pitched for, I mean, how you manage to how how does one in Ari Kaufman? And this is yeah. the point I'm going to make about this team. In in just over a year, so okay. in just over one season. This man has pitched for four Pioneer League teams. How is that possible? I don't quite know. And the thing Great is, too. Falls, Missoula, Billings, Grand Junction, and now with Grand Junction. How is that possible? And the thing is, he wasn't bad in Great Falls either. I mean, like, especially no. considering that the Pioneer League had some real football scores. I mean, like, they were on the Atlantic League level, if not worse than that, for you know, football scores frequency. So a 485 is not terrible in that under those conditions. But yeah, it's uh he bounced around a little bit, yeah. Pioneer I can't believe I'm saying the the word pioneer league journeyman, but yes, <laughs> here we are uh for that. Uh but you know other guys Chris Vasquez we've seen we've seen uh he got a little bit of Time with York as well, uh, coming from NAIA ball, but, uh, 
guy more known for his defense as well. Hey, he's off to a good start this year as well. Five for nine at the plate uh, for for Grand Junction. So, a uh, couple, couple interesting names. Uh, and, of course, Bobby Jenks running the show for Grand Junction. Absolutely there. And I just want to point out, Ari Kaufman, in addition to being a Pioneer League uh, journeyman, was also a Can-Am League journeyman for a while there because he kept going like uh, Rockland, Sussex County, Rockland, Sussex County, Rockland. And he also had a stint in New Jersey, too. He really just was punching his ticket around the tri-state. So uh, good for him there. But I do think Grand Junction has some interesting players. I think you mentioned Scatlin. He's a he's a solid player there. Vasquez is a solid player. So over, overall, they're not a bad team. I think they'll do all right. Uh, looking at the other new team around, the Northern Colorado Owls, Corey Schneider leads the way there. Uh, they got some interesting guy there. Jordan Gar is obviously the guy that jumps out, but uh, Dan Saru is also another guy that is interesting as well. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Gar, uh, he's the guy who played the All-American Baseball Challenge uh, in 2020 with the Jersey Wise guys as well. Uh, and And this man managed to play in four leagues last year. Uh, impressive. So played for two Pioneer League teams, Idaho Falls and Great Falls, or, or sorry, three leagues, but yeah. uh, in general, five teams. Uh, so two Pioneer League teams, Idaho Falls and Great Falls. Uh, so he played for the two Falls teams uh, and also played for a Pecos League team in Bakersfield for three games, raked there, went six for 13, got out of there. And then uh, two American Association teams for three games each in Sioux City and Milwaukee. So I guess he just pops in, pops out, uh, and now you he's with Northern what? Colorado. I'm willing to wager that those six games in the uh, in the uh, American Association, he's probably on the VAC squad. He's probably vaccinated and can go up to Winnipeg. Ah, good point. That's probably what he did. Yeah, yep, that's what happened. He was with uh, Sioux Falls from... August 3rd to August 5th, and then Milwaukee, August 6th through August 8th. Now, that makes a lot more sense. Yep. It seems like uh, that's the situation happening because he started the season out in Idaho Falls, was there from the 22nd of May to the 14th of June. Then he sat around for 11 days before joining Great Falls for about two weeks, give or take. And then he went to Bakersfield a couple weeks after that, was only there for four days. And then I guess he got the call like, hey, we're going to Canada. I need uh, I need players that can cross the border. He was like, all right. And then he went and did uh, he did what yeah. he did. Dude is an absolute grinder. Yeah, you got, that. you got to respect that. He, he logged a lot of miles last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and then Dancer, I think it's a solid guy as well. Uh, second baseman, center fielder, left fielder, interesting combo there. He played with uh, the Apollos last year, you know, so he's he's got some higher level experience. He did well in the Pecos League, but a lot of people do well in the Pecos League, so it'll be interesting to see what he does in the Pioneer League. Yeah, I would say so, but I don't know. I, I don't know if the, the Northern Colorado will be one of the better teams in their uh, inaugural season. Uh, in northern Colorado. Uh, fair to say. I mean, the Ogden Raptors look pretty decent, though. Cash Buchamp, who I believe was a was a Lincoln Salt Dog manager for a period of time as well, uh, 54 and 42. And they got some actual players. Keita De La Cruz is solid. Dakota Connors is solid. Jake Mahalan solid. Jordan Rathbone's there. Anthony Ray was good last year. There's actually some some pretty good talent here. 
yeah, Ogden, I think, is going to be among, you would have to think, is going to be among the league's better teams. And uh, specifically, I think on the pitching end of things, is probably, uh, and I say that at least multiple pitchers that we've heard of, and it's yeah. definitely a plus. Uh, so I, I think that, especially Dakota Connors, he's a guy that has some American Association experience uh, with, with Winnipeg as well, as well as playing a little bit in the Pacific Association. Um but yeah, like Keita De La Cruz, he's uh, he, he's solid as well. He's a guy, at least out of the bullpen last year, was quite good uh, for uh, Missoula and Ogden. A guy with a 368 ERA and 35 appearances. He struck out 56 per nine. So he's, he's definitely a good option out of the bullpen. Um, he's definitely a good option out of the bullpen for Ogden. Even a guy like Anthony Ray pops out. So I, I think that, uh, you know, Anthony Ray, a guy who played for Kane County a little bit last year. So... Uh, I think overall, you, I, I like this Ogden team a lot. I think they're they're, they're a strong group. Absolutely, I think they are a a very interesting team to watch. Probably one of the better ones in this South Division, and that brings us to the Rocky Mountain vibes. I'm, this preview's gone by pretty quickly. I got, I'm not going to lie, but uh, that's not a bad thing. The Rocky Mountain vibes, the final team of the preview. They had a development deal with a Mexican team last year, and I believe that was renewed again this year. Francisco Cabrera is their manager. They were 22-73 and 73 last year, so not a great year. And to be honest, it doesn't look like it's going to get much better as their only two players to note are Miguel Tejada's son, Miguel Tejada Jr., and a guy by the name of Ulysses Cantu, I didn't know so much put him on this because of his ability, but more or less because the name Ulysses Cantu is just an 80 grade name. I think that I, whether pe- those names are Ulysses Cantu is great and, you know, Miguel Pata's son, great. I, I will say, when are these teams going to stop with these development deals? I, th- I think immediately back to the Texas Air Hogs and yep. whatever deal that they had with like Chinese baseball, I don't know, but they were horrible year in and year out. And uh, Rocky Mountain is doing that again after going 22 and 73, I guess. Have fun with that. Um, it's just, you know, I... There's not much there. They'll probably be, as long as development deals there, they'll probably be one of the worst, probably the worst team in the league again. So, uh, yeah, not much else to say. I think that, you know, I just, I never, I don't think these development deals are ever a good idea and they don't turn out and the, the track record proves them that, that it doesn't seem to be a great idea. It appears they have two players with a whip of two. It's probably not good. Yeah, no, I don't think that's very good. And that's their guys to pitch the two most innings for them. So that's something they're going to have to address. But yeah, I don't have a high expectations for Rocky Mountain. I Like I said, I think the deal was was renewed, but I don't know that for certain. So I don't want to you know, state that as fact. But if it, it does look that way, and if that is the case, not great, Bob. Not great at all. So uh, we'll see where that winds up heading there. So... Uh, yeah, I guess we get to the part now where we give predictions. There's not too much to really predict here, though. So, um, and obviously they're only about four games into their season uh, as of right now. So we can't really use much of what's happened as a base of reference. So who do you uh, think's going to wind up winning the league? We'll just wind up doing that. Oh wait, hold up! It looks like we have a historical stats page now on the website. Just found that now. It wasn't there earlier, but now well, it looks like it's here. Does it was magically added. Oh, hold up here. 
we do have the 2021 season. How good is it though? And I think it's just for, is it just for pitchers or for teams? Oh, oh no, wait. And you go to 2021, it looks like it just, yeah, it just redirects you to the MILB site. Because oh. I was like, Jose Miranda, no wait, he played for St. Paul last year. And I was like, Johan Camargo? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yes, I see what uh, this is. And no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is far, to answer your question, I guess, uh, you know, to say who I think's going to win the division, uh, I think the North, again, kind of just throwing a dart at a wall here, but, uh, mm. but I think that I think it's going to come down to Billings and Idaho Falls. Uh, I'll go with, uh, you know, I'll go with Billings with Jim Riggleman. That's, that's be more inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think Riggleman can use a lot of his connections, get some talent in there. So I'll put them as my, as my, uh, division champs of the North. In the South, I think I'm going to go with Ogden. Uh, okay. I think Ogden, Ogden is a, a, probably the strongest team depth wise. Uh, in the league, uh, and for that reason, I'm going to pick the Ogden Raptors as my champion uh, over the Billings Mustangs. But you know, it's a best of three, so it's a crapshoot. It could go either way. But I, I just think Ogden probably has the the most well-rounded team in the league. So I'm going to pick them over Billings in the in the championship. Hey, right. I'm going to go Idaho Falls as a uh, as the champion. I don't know how the division structure really works, so I'm not sure if I could accurately predict a division winner. Uh, but that said, I'm going to, uh, eh, let's see who to, who to take in the North. Yeah, we'll get, we're taking Idaho Falls in the North, obviously. That's where they are, but who would take in the South? Oh, we'll go Ogden. What the hell? They seem like a good team. I, there's really no science to this because like you said, well, it's the best of three there. And there's just so little information on how this works. I don't feel confident making any pick. So I'm going to go Idaho Falls to win the thing. They'll beat Ogden in the championship. That seems about right there to me. There we go. Yep. And just one last point to note. So under the stats page, if you go to the Pioneer League website, there is a, uh, things for 2021. It has like 2021 league leaders and stuff like that. It just redirects you to the 2022 standing. So, yeah, that's where the issue is. So, Goodness gracious. Yeah, make note of that. There is eligibility rules, and there's a prospects page for what that's worth. Want to play in there? You can do all that sort of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> it's certainly, uh, it's certainly a league. It's something to watch. We will cover it probably a bit more infrequently than all the other leagues, but we will try to make a point of talking about it at least once a month. And, uh, yeah. That's about all we have on the Pioneer League. That's about all we have for you this week as a whole. Hopefully, the Pioneer League preview was everything you hoped and wanted. If it wasn't, well, then we did our best. So, we'll be back again next week. We'll be talking strictly baseball, barring any sort of major news coming out. And I look forward to that eagerly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I, I'm ready for preview season to be done and talk about baseball on the field. Absolutely. A preview season is always an odd one because you get a little bit of a reprieve from the standard off-season fair, but then you turn around and, uh, well, you got to do those previews for like a month. And then once you're done with them, it's like this nice period of, uh, of actual baseball to talk about, which is nice. And also, not next week, but the week after, we do have an interview as well. So we'll announce that next week. 
There's your Pioneer League preview. Exactly. So uh, with that said, we'll go to the plugs and then we'll get out of here. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can do so on Instagram at ALPB underscore news and at IndieBallReport. You can also find everything we mentioned on the show in the show notes. That's on the website, IndieBallReport.com. Also, all the episodes we mentioned, all the episodes as a whole, are also on the website. Check that out if you're interested in learning more about the Pioneer League or any other independent league baseball topic. Uh, With that said, do we have anything else left to add? Well, Sunday night, Game 7, because the Celtics could not close it out in Game 6 at home. Honestly, if they end up losing, they have nobody to blame but themselves because they had every opportunity to close it out in Game 6 on their home court. I don't know how. On, on, see, they should take notes from the New York Rangers and actually win games at home. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be really cool. Uh, but they have not, and they've put themselves in this position where they got to go win Game 7 on the road. I hope they do that uh, because then, the, uh, then if the Celtics win, you know how – the next, you know how next week's show is opening. Yeah, exactly. So all I have the same retort to that is I forgot one thing. Uh, Glacier had an inside the park grand slam the other day, and I feel like that's important Ooh. to mention. That's just that's weird. very important to mention. Yeah. The only way that happens is like through some little league bullshit, but even still, that's kind of cool. You like to see that. Then secondly, in response to the Celtics, to quote someone from May seventeenth at ten forty p.m., pathetic. Yeah, it was. They didn't close out game six on their home court against a team that uh, that was dwindling. And I know Jimmy Butler played out of his mind, but, you know, you, they're, they're three and four sitting at home since the, in the second round of the Eastern Conference Finals. That's so they end up losing. There's nobody to blame but themselves. Oh, it's terrible. Would you say that is <clears throat> the worst loss of the season by far and that they need to make some sort of minor ad to be a contender? You know, I, I don't think they have to... Well, unfortunately, they can't make any sort of ad. And I know exactly what you're referring to, but I'm not going to explicitly refer to it. Um, <laughs> and uh, is it the worst loss of the season? I mean, I guess it's the playoffs, so I guess it is. Oh, well, at least they didn't get outworked by Nathan Knight and Greg Monroe. Well, that's, that's a good thing, because both of them are sitting at home. Yep, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Hopefully the Celtics win because I really want to read that thing on this show. And if they do win, you'll know that will be next week's cold open and it will confuse 90% of the people listening and 100% of the people listening for the very first time. But I'm willing to make that sacrifice because I think it's kind of funny. But I think, I think it'd be hilarious. Exactly. I don't have anything else left to add. I could add something, but I really don't have much to add here. So uh, looking forward to next week. And until then, uh, don't forget to play ball.